Hey friends, welcome to this week's episode. You're gonna love it, it's a great one. But you know what, before we get there, I wanna tell you about chemistry staffing. You know, you might be at the place where you're thinking about a transition. You might be thinking about what is your next ministry step. And frankly, if you were to reach out to me, I would say, you know what you should do? You should talk to my friends over at Chemistry Staffing. They want to help you find a fantastic long-term fit. That is what I love about them. They're trying to help leaders like you sit in a place, be in a place that's great for you long-term. But what I want you to do, you might not be there now. What I want you to do though, is I want you to go over to chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary, where you can download one PDF that contains two eBooks, when to leave and before you go. Even if you're thinking about these issues, it's probably good to spend some time processing that, thinking about it. And these two resources will help you do it. These two books are probably the best resource for ministry leaders out there. They're completely free, who are wrestling through whether it's time for them to move on. Now would be a good time for you to check these things out. Again, I'm so convinced that our friends at Chemistry Staffing will help you find a good long-term fit. You can trust them. They're good brokers. They're, they're good friends along this journey. So drop by chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary and pick up the two eBooks all in one when to leave and before you go both resources to help you wrestle through friends ministry transitions are a part of ministry life and so if you're thinking about those today one of the first things i would say to you is hey you should reach out to my friends over at chemistry staffing i know they'll help you find uh, a great long-term fit again that's chemistrystaffing.com forward slash unseminary today are you looking for practical ministry help to inform and inspire your leadership Do you have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of other leaders in pursuit of stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast, presented by CDF Capital, helping churches grow. Visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you've decided to tune in today. You know, every week we try to bring you a a leader who will both inspire and equip you. Today is definitely going to deliver that for you. We've got Eric Henry with us. He's the executive pastor at a church that you should be tracking along with, Central Christian Church. Now, there's only one of them in the country. I know this is one of those names of churches. There's a lot of them out there. So which one are we talking about? We're talking about the one that's kind of in the middle between Chicago, Madison, and Milwaukee. This is a fantastic church or a multi-site church with both English and speaking congregation. Uh, One of the fastest growing churches in the country. Eric, so glad you're here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I'm honored that you're here. Uh, love to love your church, love what God's doing there. Can we start with kind of tell us about for folks that don't know, fill out the picture, tell us about Central, and then tell us about your role. What is what do you do as an executive pastor at your church? Sure, yeah, uh, Central is a. It's kind of a. I, yeah, I talk to executive pastors all the time, and all of us say that our churches are weird. Um, every <laughs> every church is so not true. like any other church. Yes, um, and so uh, very true. But yours really is. But yours ours really, really is. is. <laughs> but, Love you know, it. we we live, we're a large church in a small community, you know, 35,000 mm-hmm. people in our community. And um, it's not in a big city. It's not in the suburbs. It's not in a growing area. It's actually in a 
semi-depressed area. And so, you know, a lot of, it's very blue collar. It's not white collar, you know, people mm-hmm. working in, um, in executive roles. It's, it's very blue collar community and it's, it's just mm-hmm. a different place. And so, um, I love it. I've been at Central for 23 years. I was actually teaching math, high school math. And, um, oh, wow. I, I was on just coming to church here. They asked me to come on staff and start a young, like a Gen X ministry back when that was a oh, kind of Oh yeah. Thing. Gen X. <laughs> Gen X. Remember that? That was like all I, cool and hip. Oh yeah. 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 That's it's when going we to happen young. to you, Gen Z friends. It's going to happen to you. Someday True you're going to look back and laugh and say, remember when they used to pay attention to us? Well, they never paid attention to Gen X. I'm Gen X as well. So, but yeah, that's great. Love it. So, so you anyways, started there and then kind of worked your there. way up. I've been here 23 years and I I just kind of, I I can't decide whether I kept getting promotions or I just couldn't keep a job, but I went (laughs) from, um, I went from young adults to uh, worship pastor, to creative arts director, to discipleship pastor, to a campus pastor. And then now Mm -hmm. I'm the executive pastor. I, (laughs) and I got into this role in February or uh, January of 2020. So I thought I was hopping right in at the perfect time. And then a month later, a vision for a new decade, you know, got 2020 vision. We know exactly all those churches that had clear vision for 2020. We know exactly where God's going to lead us that year. No, not true. (laughs) Bingo. So, um, so yeah, anyway, so it's, it's, been a blast. I've, I've, so I've got three years under my belt as executive pastor. Um, I, you know, we, we had wanted this to be sort of a, a more of a ministries, uh, focused executive pastor role. Mm. And we were going to hire on an operations focused mm-hmm. executive pastor, but you know, with everything that happened, um, that I'm filling both of those roles right now. Okay. And so, um, but Truthfully, I love it. I enjoy it. I, but I am doing a job that I was never trained for, especially on mm. the operations side. And so I'm, I'm going back to school. I'm getting my MBA right now. Oh, um, very cool. In data analytics. And so, data, so yeah, that's cool. Something, something that I really enjoy. You know, I'm a math guy. I'm a geek. And so, um, so the, the data thing is exciting to me. I've been really enjoying. I'm, I'll graduate with my MBA in December. All right. Congratulations. Congratulations on that. That's so good. Well, you know, data is interesting. I know a lot of, we have a lot of executive pastors or executive pastor wannabes that are listening in. Uh, And when you said data, I know that people perked their ears up and said, Ooh, this one's going to be a good episode. I'm excited about that. Cause we do, we think about a lot of executive pastors see the world through spreadsheets. We, you know, the world is just a series of spreadsheets, different tabs. Um, but you know, talk to us about data. Why why is data important for us as church leaders to be thinking about? Yeah, great. I, you know, I love this stuff. Data for me, and I think mm. it should be for everybody. Data is all about making good decisions. Um, mm. Data is only as good as the question it answers or the decision it helps you make. Um, and so, uh, part of the problem that I see in church mm. a lot is that churches uh, and leaders in churches usually make decisions from their gut you oh, know so the, true. the sense and and I'm not I'm I'm not denigrating that there's there's a place for that and and not just your gut but also your spirit you know there's mm. a there's a place when you are um following and and mm. listening to the holy spirit that's there's a place for listening and and mm. ignoring data but <laughs> I, I think I think we do that a little too much. And I I think, you know, part of what I think is important about data is it allows us to make decisions based on what's really happening, not based on a gut feeling. Um, And the real, you know, as well as I do, a a lead pastor is going to hear what the people want him to hear. 
They're going to, he's going to hear what, uh, because people love him. People want to love him. People want him to think that they're really on his side. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes uh, even though a lead pastor can feel like they're in the know and they get their people, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, it is uh, not exactly that clear because they're, they have a skewed understanding because people show them what they want him to see. Yeah, I love that. You know, I've said for years, there's there's no bad information. There's just information we don't like. We want data. We have to get, uh, you know, the the real information on the ground. But let me play the the uh, you know the negative voice. Uh, you know, listen, come on, Eric. We're in a spiritual game here. We're we're trying to help people grow spiritually. You can't get that onto a spreadsheet. Uh, so don't even bother. Why would we do it at any level? Isn't it just all about uh, like you say, you know, how, you know how the spirit leads, but you know, at its core, you know, we can't, we can't. The core thing that we hopefully do in our churches see people take steps towards Jesus. You can't get that onto a a, a spreadsheet, can you? And I agree with that to a point. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I do because there are things that we can measure, and there are things that we can't. Um, oh. And and so I'd like to, you know, first off the bat, the first thing that I know that people that every pastor would love to be able to do is measure mm-hmm. spiritual maturity. I can measure if you are where you are when you come here, and then I can measure how spiritually mature you are as you um, go through all of the programs or mm-hmm. whatever of our church. Mm-hmm. I, my opinion, and this is just my opinion, you cannot measure spiritual maturity. Right. It is way right. too complex. It is right. it is so clearly uh, a um, an individualized um, mm. thing. It's also it's it's circular. It's cyclical, and it is mm. not an up and to the right trajectory. Rarely is it that. Also, right. it has oh, so, that's a good insight. So often, it has so little to do with our church. The way that people grow, we think it's going to be our church that grows them. But the reality is the way that people grow is when they lose a loved one and they walk through that and it's painful. And in the end, mm. they see that they have gotten closer to Jesus as a result. Um, now, I'm not I'm not saying that there are no there is no role for the church. Of course, there's a huge role mm. for the church in this. But to say that we can measure spiritual maturity, um, I, I think is a little uh overstating, but there okay. are things that we can measure. We okay. can't measure maturity, but we can mm-hmm. measure behaviors and we can measure self-reported feelings about spiritual maturity. Now, uh, I want to okay. I want to suggest that there those are two different things. Spiritual maturity is different. Actual spiritual maturity is different than self-reported feelings about spiritual mm. maturity. Because we're not mm-hmm. always um, as self-aware as we want to be, as we wish right. we were. And so, <laughs> so true. Um, and so as we measure these things, it's just really important that we are, are clear and careful mm-hmm. about describing exactly what we're measuring. Um, and mm-hmm. mathematicians and statisticians, that's mm-hmm. what you're about. You, We don't yes. want to overstate. We want to be right. very careful. Everything that we say is only what we can prove through the numbers. Pastors, right, right. on the other hand, <laughs> are not very careful. God bless them. God bless them. I love them. I'm one of them. Um, yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but we are not careful usually about how right. we use data. And it's not well, because we're, oh, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say like, that's like one of those standard running jokes, right? Like, in fact, I think it might even be in my bio where I talk about the sizes of churches I've worked at. And I even make the joke. I'm like, those are not senior pastor numbers. Those are actual numbers. Like, because, you know, we all, we all, and I've listened the senior pastors I've worked for amazing gentlemen, yeah. but they all, this, the guys I worked for had this propensity of like, yeah, there'd be a room of whatever, a thousand people. And there's like, there was at least 4,000 people there today. And and so, and that, and we all have that, obviously they're easy to make fun of, but we all do that. I do that. You know, we, we kind of skew the, what we see kind of fits our story. We're constantly, there's a, uh, you know, a, a confirmation bias that we have when, when you talk about behaviors and then self-reported feelings, can you give us some examples of those? Let's sure. pull apart that a little sure, bit. Absolutely. Talk to me a bit about behaviors. What are some of the behaviors if we're trying to get at Look under the hood. What's actually happening in our churches? So questions like, uh, how many times a week do you read the Bible? That's mm. a behavior. Um, yep. That's something that we track. Uh, the, another so that there's sort of the on your own behaviors. Then there's mm-hmm. also the, uh, are you a part of of participation in some of our church? programs. Like for instance, Mm. are you serving on a serving Mm -hmm. team? Yes Mm -hmm. or no? That's an important question for us. Are you, um, are you taking advantage of any of our classes or, um, small groups? That's another Mm -hmm. question, you know, that's, Mm -hmm. that we're trying to track. So those are behaviors. Mm -hmm. Am I doing a thing? Am I, um, am I participating in a program? But then, uh, when it comes to self-reported feelings, it's Mm -hmm. how, how connected do you feel to other believers? Mm. Now, that is a very soft number. Yes, you know what I'm yes. saying? That's yes. a zero to five. How connected do you feel to other believers at Central Christian Church? That right. the number four means almost nothing. Mm. Because now, what it what you what it does do is you can start to track over time where that number moves to. So if mm. if on average you're two point one this year, and a year later you're at four point two, whoa, mm. whoa, we did we must have done something. Something mm. happened. Or you go the other direction. Ooh, we've got a problem. But the right. first time you measure it, a four point means literally nothing. And so those are the, when it comes to self-reported feelings about spiritual maturity, you're measuring the change, not the actual number. Mm, Okay. That's good. I love that. Now, so a part of what I hear you saying is actually really driving to doing more surveys, asking people to reflect on their, their own. There's obviously a couple different kinds of data. One is just like how many people are in groups, but then another one is like, are you in a group? That's two different ways to look at it. Help me understand what place do surveys fit in in the way you're using data, where you're gathering gathering data, and then how that helps you in you know making decisions at the church. Surveys are huge for us um, mm. because trying to, to you know you can you can count the number of people who go to your classes and small groups. You can count mm. your attendance. You can count other things, but it doesn't doesn't give you all that much information actually. Mm. Um, right. So there's a difference between. Um, the number of people who show up in seats and the amount of times per month on average your your person your people attend church so how many mm. times per month do you you can't get that in any way other than a survey um, right there's no real way to pull that off. So surveys for us are really important. We've gotten in we've decided that we're doing two surveys a year. We're doing okay. one every six months. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's for me. There are there are four things that we are really careful about with surveys. Mm-hmm. Number one, simplicity. It's got to be simple. It's got to be yep. clear and easy. And se- the second one is clarity. Got to mm-hmm. be absolutely clear with your question. They can't be. They can't have to think about it. Like, what do they mean mm-hmm. by that? Uh, mm-hmm. Specificity. Each question has got to be directly mm, aimed driving at behavior. a question that you yep. want an answer to. And mm-hmm. the fourth one, and I'm, this might be the most important one, it's brevity. You mm-hmm. cannot ask more than 10 questions. And okay. they, it better be very simple, sh- short questions if there are 10 of them. Um, yeah, because I, people I, will not fill it out. Okay, let's talk about these two. Let's pause here and drive, yeah. drive in on this a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you're doing... Uh, two big surveys a year. Um, are you doing those like on weekends, slowing down the service, speed bump? Okay, guys, either take out your phone or you know, here's a piece of paper. Talk us through functionally. What does that look like? Yeah, we do. Um, we we do two things with each of those surveys. Number one, we send out send it out on email to everybody. It's, mm-hmm. The truth is, we've decided Google Form is the best way to do it. I mean, there's lots okay. of other things, yeah, like fancy survey stuff, monkeys. But what we found with our people, because we are blue collar. Um, mm-hmm church, our people are like, if you're going to want me to learn a new thing to take a survey, I'm not doing it. And so everybody knows Google. Everybody knows Google Forms. So we just send a Mm -hmm. link to a Google Form, click, 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 click. It's less than a minute usually that it takes to do a survey. And what, and what, um, give me a sense of maybe a couple stories around stuff that's changed at the church because of these surveys that like, Hey, you know, we, we learned something here or it confirmed something that was going on. Um, you know, that ended up kind of driving a different behavior. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the main, there was a huge shift post pandemic in that number mm-hmm. that I just talked about, um, when it comes to how many times people come to church, it used to be less than two. Um, right. now we're over three. So, which is a major shift. So we have a, you know, our, our numbers are still not in-person numbers are still not quite back to what they were Mm -hmm. pre-pandemic. But we, the people that we have are coming more often. Mm -hmm. And so that just changes your communication strategies. It used Mm -hmm. to be, we had to say something for four weeks before everybody would hear it. It's not right. the same anymore. So that changes our right. communication. That's a small one, but no, that's a good example. Things. Yep. Okay. So now I, so one of the churches I served in, um, they had, uh, two, three decades of, they did an annual survey, which was a great, great practice. And we worked very hard to not change the questions. Cause what yes. we were trying to do was to try to get year over year. Talk us through that. Uh, how, what does that look like? Very important. And I, I'm sort of with our staff. I'm like, hey, what we have is what we have. Don't yeah. don't suggest more. Don't <laughs> don't try because that's the. They're, I mean, listen, and the, it's not their fault. They're like, oh man, no. this is great. We're getting all this information. I would love to get more information. I'd love yes. to get different. I'd like to hear more. And that's a great thing. You can't do mm-hmm. it. You got to mm-hmm. say what is the stuff that matters the most because you cannot get people who are like another survey. Are you kidding yeah, yeah, me? Yeah. Or a 25 question survey, never going to fill it out, you know? Yeah. I wonder if, um, would you be willing to share us like a PDF or something that shows the, Absolutely. whatever the 10 questions you use that? Absolutely. That's great. We'll put that in the show notes, friends. So you can see that, uh, cause you should be doing this. This is a best practice. I, I want to come back to something you said there, uh, cause it connected to another idea I was thinking about, which was, so you're saying, uh, hey, you're seeing that people are saying that they're coming more. They're actually, their average 
uh, number of times a month has gone up, which is actually, I would say, if you were to ask pastors across the country, they would say it's gone the opposite direction. So you're seeing a trend that's different. Now, I actually think the deeper point is most people don't know. They're just guessing right. uh, that they're blaming their lower attendance on that. Yep. Um, but you actually know that. How have you seen, how have you used the data to compare to national trends? Yeah. I'm sure that's a part of the conversation of, you know, the way you've thought about these things. Yeah. So one of the other things that I think is really important is you have to, um, you have to think about the, the skew of all of your data. So everything mm. that we do, because we do in-person uh, in the services, we allow people to do it right in the service, and we do mm -hmm. email. Everything that you get, we had 305 um, responses to our serve, this last survey. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Every one that you get is skewed because it's somebody who is willing to fill out a survey. Mm -hmm. So there is a correlation between yeah. someone who's willing to fill out a survey and someone who's mm -hmm. willing to come to church more times a week or right. a month. month. And so, yeah. uh, so if you, for us to compare our 3.1 number with mm -hmm. the national average, which I think right now is 1.6 mm -hmm. or 1.7. Mm -hmm. It's just under two. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't think that's a fair comparison because right. usually it's Barna who's doing that re research and they know what they are doing and they are getting very, uh, um, they're getting sample sizes that are absolutely random. We mm -hmm. are not. And right, so right. The, the, the statistician in me is like, we can't compare those two numbers. Our 3.1 mm -hmm. is not equal to their 1.7. Um, right. Because we yeah, are- Your 3.1 is compared to- you know, friends that maybe aren't, aren't tracking along, the 3.1 is most relevant as compared to your 2.4, four years exactly ago, Exactly because right. that tells you that difference. It's, it's hard to make that comparison to other churches and understand, you know, what does that, you know, what does that look like? You know, and it goes it, back to, it goes back to the question of what, being very careful about what you're saying you are uh, uh, measuring, because we're not mm -hmm. actually measuring our whole church. We're, me we're measuring a sample of our church that's willing right. to talk to us. Um, right. And those are, that's a different question. And it goes back to also to, you know, what do you do with the information? The pastor ha always has the best of intentions, but, right. you know, I hear all the time, I hear them saying things like, you know, all you have to do is read your Bible every day, pray every day, um, mm. join a small group, give, and, you know, here's this list mm. of five things and you will be spiritually mature. And um, that sounds great because what they do is they see this data and they're like, hey, people who are, are spiritually mature are doing all of these things. Mm. And so they think it's a cause. And sometimes it is. But the reality is they're, they're overstepping. There's a difference between causation and correlation. Mm -hmm. And correlation, yeah. And so um, when you have those, those uh, the pastors who want to push all of these um, – behaviors if behavior is the is the mark of maturity mm -hmm. you end up in the end with a little bit of a new kind of legalism because mm. oh that's a good insight it's like if if you just check the boxes then mm. you're good mm. and that's mm -hmm. not how jesus led that's not how he yeah. taught and it's much more complicated than that and so data is wonderful it can be used in a way that can end up getting you to a new kind of legalism yeah that's a great insight very very good insight there I, you know i've similarly i've struggled with this tension of 
Um, we do want to be clear. And so lots of churches, we all have the, like, whatever the five things are, you know, you, these are the, you know, get on a team, give, be in a small group, you know, attend services, bring a friend, something like that. And, uh, you know, for years I've said that that is super reductionist and is actually not that high of a bar. Like when I, when I will look at what Jesus says, he says, you know, follow the narrow road and like yes. give it all up and follow me. I'm like, that doesn't sound easy, but we have to come up. There's a tension there. Cause we do want to, we have to communicate right. something that helps people take a next step, but it, it can be super reductionist. So mm. let's look under the hood a little bit on, on questions that you've asked. So I'm going to ask you either extreme on one side, a question that you keep asking that you're like, uh, we probably should stop asking that question because it's mm. it's not helpful. Like we've had the same answer for so long. It's it's not helpful. Yeah. Or what's the one question that you don't ask today that you're tempted by your team? You're like, oh, maybe we mm. should put this one in here. Do you have do you have anything on either side that that would kind of stretch our thinking a little bit? Uh, sure. I, I can give you the one, uh, like the first one where you, you yeah. we asked a question for a little while that was, that had to do with the fruit of the spirit. Cause we're thinking, mm -hmm. okay, maturity will produce fruit. So yes. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, the mm -hmm. whole thing. Um, and so what we started doing was having people rate on a zero to five, how mm -hmm. those fruit are being lived out in their mm -hmm. life. Again, this is a self-reporting mm -hmm. thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So this is self-reported feelings about the fruit in mm -hmm. their life. And mm -hmm. we did that over time. And guess what? Nothing ever changed. It, what, what, oh, I, what, you, what you found was that the, it was just an average of how people feel about themselves in general. And that just mm -hmm. doesn't go anywhere. And so oh, it just turned out to be a, a, a waste of time. Right. right. You know? One to cut off the list. Oh, that's good. That's interesting. Anything oh. on the other side that you're tempted mm -hmm. to be like, oh, or, or the one, or maybe another way to phrase that is, is there a team member that keeps hounding you that like, we've got to do this. Like, you know, we've got to have this, you know, this question in that you've resisted, you know, is there anything on that end? Yes. Uh, one of the, the thing that comes to mind is, uh, is marketing. So okay. marketing is such a difficult thing to measure the, mm -hmm. the effect of marketing. And so our, when we talk about marketing, we just desperately want uh, data. And so mm -hmm. we were like, what about a question that is about how you were invited to church or mm -hmm. how, what you use to invite someone to church? And mm -hmm. the problem is it just changes so much. And, right. and it's right. different. We have different strategies all the time. And so mm -hmm. I know that there's there are some people that would love for us to add some of those kind of questions. Um, <laughs> but I just don't, again, you just have to make the, the call about what are you trying? What is the most important thing? And we have, you know, I don't know if, if you, your church or other churches, you mm -hmm. use KPIs, you know, key performance mm -hmm. indicators and, and our mm -hmm. goals. And so we have KPIs for our whole church. And so right. most of our questions are directed toward measuring our KPIs, not just whatever's mm -hmm. out there, but, but what are the things that are most, the key performance indicators for our church as a whole? What are mm -hmm. those things? And we, that's what we use uh, to, to decide what questions we ask. Love it. Um, when you uh, survey, so you come up to those t twice a year, what's the tenor of the staff environment? Are people excited by this? Are they looking forward to it? Are they nervous? Uh, what do you do to ensure that, you know, that, that your, your team kind of 
is prepared and then buys in? What does all that look like? Yeah. I, the plus is we got a freaking great staff culture. I mean, love our it, staff love culture is fantastic. And so mm-hmm. everybody loves it. Uh, nobody's oh, okay. A, great. I think there's a little bit of, of nervousness because this isn't the only surveying we do. We actually do uh, volunteer satisfaction surveys. Okay. Right. Yep. Um, Part of the thing is, you know, you don't know how volunteers are feeling about your staff because Mm -hmm. again, they love them. And I always tell my staff, I say, listen, if you can't make your volunteers like you, there's a problem. You know what I'm saying? Like if you can't get a volunteer to say, Hey, I think that this staff member is great. That's like, yeah. That's the highest priority. Yeah. That yes, yeah, bare minimum. Your volunteers yeah. better like you, and so yeah. um, and so. I I do think there's been a little bit of nervousness surrounding those, but we've mm. now we've now just this year moved to a um, single volunteer satisfaction survey that goes to every for every staff member. It took us a while to come up with the questions, and I can share those too. Um, that would be great. We'll take but, it. That'd be great. You know what what questions were would work across the board um that would actually give us um an understanding of how a staff member is doing that kind of Mm. thing so yeah because i've struggled we've struggled and so we have combined kind of both of these together into one and um have done that kind of for lack of better word customer satisfaction stuff Mm. and that has driven um decisions around staffing stuff and so we've tried to not like Okay, friends, like, don't freak out about this. It's good. Again, it's the same thing. There's no bad information. There's just information we don't like, but we'd rather know so that we can improve. And, and there was a season, it's not so much, you know, it's not all the time, but there was a season where it was like that kind of freaked people out. They were like, oh my goodness, what? Cause people are worried. And I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's going to be in in one way. I kind of took that as a compliment because I was like, okay, that means that people are taking it serious and they realize we're taking it serious. It's, we're not just, this isn't just like, here's a bunch of random ideas and like, okay, well, we'll go back to doing the things we did the way we did it before. So exactly. Right. Interesting. Hmm. Are there any other surveys that you do that you might be kind of interested to kind of touch on? Uh, this has been a really helpful conversation. Uh, honestly, the, I think we, we try to keep it at that. Those are the right. two main things. Otherwise we're, we're going to end up with a ton of, uh, Oh, the other thing that will always happen is mm-hmm. the lead pastor is always going to be like, Hey, we're thinking about this decision. Let's do a survey. Let's, mm. let's do a survey. And so uh, unless it is unbelievably important, I push back on that. Okay. Um, and and just, why is that? Why is that? That seems like a good use of that. Right. Survey fatigue. I, okay. I, I want to make sure that we continually, when we do them. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, the other thing I'll say is that we, mm-hmm. we feel like we, we have dropped the ball and are going to, are trying to do better at finding ways to release the information that people have given us. Um, Mm. You know, they don't want all of the details of every little thing, but to be able to say, Hey, thank you for taking the survey. Here's what we found out. Um, Mm -hmm. We have, we've dropped the ball on that. And this year we're really trying to, to turn that around. Yeah, because people are more likely to give us information if we if they see, oh, look, they they you know, it's like any conversation. It's a conversation. Yep. You talked, and now we're responding. We're saying, oh exactly. yeah, we heard you say this, and here's some changes. And well, man, this has been just so good. What a rich uh, conversation. And you know, hope friends, as you're listening in, you're catching a little bit. There's a ton we could talk about here, yeah. uh, but super helpful. Helpful. I appreciate you sending us those. We'll have those links in the in the show notes. Anything else? Just as we're kind of wrapping up today's episode, you could share uh, or you're thinking about Eric. 
Yeah, like I, I love your the the unseminary concept. The you know, <laughs> what do you wish? Uh, and I, you know, I, I was thinking about that as I prepared, and I thought to myself, you know what, I really wish. I, I'm not a seminary graduate. Um, mm-hmm. I'm a math teacher. I've been in ministry since I was 20 years old, but um, mm-hmm. but I, uh, I I feel like the people who come out of Bible college or seminary sometimes mm-hmm. now don't mm-hmm. really understand the complexity of ministry. Mm-hmm. That um, that it is so yeah, much more complex than we like to make it in a classroom. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the part of the complexity comes because your your life becomes revolved around this ministry mm-hmm. as a mm-hmm. pastor, executive pastor, whatever you are, which also means mm-hmm. all your friendships are part mm-hmm. of this. And yeah, all of the people so that you lead are are part are friends. And those dual relationships are so complex. So I have mm-hmm. to lead this person who's the who's also the person that is my friend or my mm-hmm. wife is best friends with his wife. And now I've got to I, I have to That's lead so and and challenge and make decisions surrounding these things. Mm. It is just so much. More. And you, you have the relational side, but then you also, on the other hand, have what I call running the church machine. You know, mm. as an executive yep. pastor, part of your job is to keep the machine running, to make yes, decisions yes. that make sure that you have a, a future as a church. Right. Um, yep. And so, but sometimes those, that is a tension with relationships and learning to live in the tensions. One thing I really wish I had known earlier in my ministry uh, was basically, first of all, everything takes longer than you think it should. <laughs> true. That is everything true. takes longer than you yes. think it should. But if mm-hmm. you do the right thing, I know that mm-hmm. sounds so stupid. I know it sounds mm-hmm. so obvious, but man, the right thing is is sometimes a hard thing to find when you're living in the tension between the relationships, the people that you love, the people who are mad, mm-hmm. the people, the uh, the machine of the church that you mm-hmm. are responsible for. It gets very, very complicated, and you have to mm-hmm. ask yourself which voices matter in that right. conversation, what priorities matter in that conversation, and mm-hmm. and in the middle of it, we can convince ourselves what we what what we think is right because it's easier or other people can help us help convince us of what we should do. But there mm-hmm. is this thing I've, I find more often than not that if I quiet myself, I can normally find what's right. Mm-hmm. And if I just am willing to do the right thing mm-hmm. and give it time to work itself out, mm-hmm. everything does. Yeah. It's so good. Well, and there's so much, particularly I find in our roles as executive pastors, there's, there's a lot of decisions that we make that are, um, they do get at the the very core of why do we exist as an organization? Um, and they're really important, but they're not necessarily seen. They're like, you know, they're kind of like secondary or they're behind the yeah. scenes or they're, but, but man, if we, if we cut the corners there, if we, mm-hmm. um, and you know, there's extreme examples of that, obviously where organizations get into fraud and all kinds of super, you know, bad mm-hmm. stuff. But you know, you're not nobody listening is doing that. Mm-hmm. But we can make other compromising decisions that aren't the right decision, mm-hmm. that aren't the right thing, that aren't pushing us towards the kind of church God wants us to to be. And uh, yeah, that's just a really good word. I really appreciate that, Eric. This has been a fantastic conversation. I thank you so much for being on today. If people want to track with you, track with the church, where do we want to send them online? And friends, I would encourage you to do this. This is a fantastic church. Eric's a great leader. Uh, where, where do we want to send them online? 
we're at centralwired.com and um mm-hmm. and then we got all the you know facebook instagram all yeah. those other things too but um, in it. general that's that's kind of the place to catch us love it thanks so much eric i appreciate being here today sir thank you so much thank you really appreciate it rich thanks for tuning in to the unseminary podcast drop by unseminary.com for more helpful resources for you and your team there you will find articles online courses and so much more unseminary stuff you wish they taught in seminary presented by cdf capital visit them at cdf.capital forward slash unseminary